Hello everyone, it's Ben Hopkin, and welcome back to my podcast, Acting Without the Drama, where we keep the drama on the stage and in front of the camera and out of our personal lives. So, as I mentioned last week, we are going to be talking about voice this time. And this is a subject that is very near and dear to my heart, and it's actually almost overwhelming to try to do a podcast on it because I feel like there's so much to cover and so many things that I want to go into depth and detail about that we may actually continue this conversation or continue this podcast over multiple weeks, sort of depending on how it goes today. So talking about voice, um, actually, just to give you a little bit of background, both in my undergraduate and graduate programs, there was a very heavy emphasis on voice. And so and in addition to that, of course, I grew up with a dad who taught classical voice for singers. And so I really grew up with kind of this focus on the vocal instrument as a really necessary part of an actor's toolbox. And I'm actually very glad that that happened because I think that it's sometimes something that doesn't sort of connect through. We know that it's important for us to get in touch with our emotions. We understand that we have to be able to convey things successfully, that we need to be believable, all of those things. We talked about the connection, the communication, and the commitment. All of those things are absolutely true. And without the voice as a medium, we kind of have a difficult time of it. That's not to say that we can't have some actors that do a really good job with nonverbal communication. That's absolutely true. But the voice is really an important and essential tool and element of our lives as actors. So let's talk about why it's even important for us to talk about voice. There's a lot of you out there that may be thinking to yourselves, okay, I am really wanting to be a television actor, a film actor, really don't have a lot of interest in theater, which by the way, I'm just going to put in as a side note, you might want to rethink that. But, okay, you want to do television, you want to do film, wonderful. And you think to yourselves, okay, I don't really need vocal training. You know, when you're doing television and film, you've got, you know, the the boom operator's got that microphone pretty much right in your face. You can almost eat it, especially when you're doing a close-up shot or a medium shot. You're pretty close to the mic. I don't need to know how to project I don't really need to know how to manipulate my voice that much. They will manipulate it for me. They'll be right there. They'll pick everything up. Yes, they will. They will pick everything up. Everything. The microphone gets every little piece of it. And I want you just to stop for a second and think about some of the actors that we think of as being very, very magnetic. And not necessarily hot. Again, this is a magnetism thing. And we talked a little bit about this with movement. And it applies for voice as well. Think about some of those actors that really just sort of leap out at us. You think about, and these are all maybe in different ways, but going back as far as Orson Welles, Orson Welles leaps off of the screen when you watch him in Citizen Kane. He walks in that first time and it's like, bam, he's even present before you actually see him because his voice precedes him. And it's a magnificent voice. It's a really powerful instrument. Ian McKellen, Anthony Hopkins, Kenneth Brenna, these, uh, Derek Jacobi. I mean, these are actors whose voices are really, really well-tuned instruments. And 
it really makes a difference in terms of their performance. Now, I'm going to give you some counterexamples. And these are also really good actors who we don't really always think of as being amazing actors. And so here they are, at least in terms of what I think. Drew Barrymore, and I've mentioned her before. She's a good actor. I mean, she really does a good job. She's likable. She's believable most of the time. But really, when it comes to her vocal training, that's really kind of where it starts to fall apart. I would go so far as to say that vocal training actually changes our perception of an actor that basically, if they have vocal training, we see them as being technically skilled actors. And if they don't have that kind of training, we generally don't think of them as technically skilled. So you've got Drew Barrymore that I mentioned. You have Kevin Costner. Again, he's an actor that does a great job with stuff. You watch him in Field of Dreams, and he's quite amazing. He really does a great job because he's supposed to be the Midwestern guy. When you watch him in Waterworld, it falls apart again because he doesn't have that technical training to be able to make that kind of post-apocalyptic thing believable for us. Uh, same kind of thing with uh, if you watched Robin Hood. That, again, fell apart because he couldn't do a British dialect. And there's also not that ability to modulate his voice. And that really does become an, a hugely important tool. I would even say, and this might surprise you, but Hugh Grant, he's British. And so we sort of automatically think of him as being a little more polished, a little more trained. But really, again, doesn't have the same kind of abilities with his voice that Sir Ian McKellen, that Sir Anthony Hopkins, that uh, Kenneth Branagh, that uh, Dame Judi Dench, that Kevin Kline, Meryl Streep, Glenn Close have with their voices. And so those are some things when we're talking about voice, just in terms of seeing the difference between those things. Start watching and pay attention to some of your favorite actors and watch and listen to see whether or not they have that kind of ability, that kind of training. It's an important thing to start to recognize. So, what is it that we need to look at first when we're talking about vocal training? Actually, I'm going to give you a little bit of an example to start off with. And this is one that I many times start off my voice classes with. And what I want you to do is I want you to go, uh, as soon as I explain this to you, I want you to pause this podcast and I want you to go do this so that you actually see what I'm talking about. I want you to go get two pieces of paper. And I want you to hold them about an inch away from each other so that they're not touching. And then I want you to blow right in between those pieces of paper. Now, when you do that, go ahead and pause the podcast and do this and then come back and so that we can compare notes. So when you take these two pieces of paper, you hold them about an inch apart and you blow between them, they will come together and they will rattle. That is what happens. And basically, this is what's called the Bernoulli principle for any of you that have studied aerodynamics before. That moving air creates a low-pressure environment. And so this is how our vocal cords are supposed to work. This is the way that they're supposed to operate. Basically, air goes through, and I'm oversimplifying definitely, but this is essentially how it works. Air goes through the vocal cords, and as it goes through, it creates that low-pressure environment, the cords come together and they vibrate. And that's the way it's supposed to work. As we grow older, we add tension to our bodies. Uh, and if you'll remember, I told you that tension is really held emotion. And so we're adding 
all of this emotional and physical tension. And basically what happens is when we add tension to our bodies, we're not breathing properly. So the breath can't flow the way that it's supposed to. And in order to compensate, we use the large muscles there around our vocal cords to manipulate those vocal cords, to push them together. And basically what they do is they push together and they grind. When you have tension there in your neck, especially, and basically you have tension in your toe and it's eventually going to get up to your diaphragm, which is going to affect the way that you breathe, which will affect your vocal cords. So really we need to get rid of as much excess tension as we possibly can everywhere in our bodies, but especially in the neck and there in the abdomen in the center of our bodies. So basically we're using those large muscles to push the vocal cords together and they grind and then it causes little micro tears to happen all along the vocal cords. Those micro tears swell and eventually we lose our voice. That's what happens if you go to like a football game or a soccer game or a basketball game. You're yelling your head off and after about 20 to 30 minutes, you don't have a voice left. That's what's happened to your voice. You've created little micro tears that have uh, caused swelling. And once those vocal cords swell enough, they can't vibrate and you lose your voice. Now, the really interesting thing about this is that when we continue to misuse our voices, when we continue to do this on a regular basis, those little micro tears eventually build up scar tissue. That gets, again, to the point where they can no longer vibrate the way that they're supposed to, and that's what's called nodes. Uh, if you are familiar with uh, Mariah Carey, Whitney Houston, uh, Julie Andrews, uh, all three of them have had surgery to correct that condition in order to make sure that they can use their voices properly again. And that came through misuse. That came through basically abusing the vocal cords. And so really the first and foremost thing that we need to start talking about when we're talking about getting in touch with our natural voices is releasing excess tension in our bodies. And one of the things that I've talked about before is going through, you know, laying down flat on the ground. And the harder the surface is, really the better. You want to be really flat as a board. It's fine if you're on carpet, but if you have hardwood, that's even better. I know that it's going to be uncomfortable but this is actually part of the process. You go through and while you're completely stretched out on your back, arms down by your sides, you go through and you isolate each muscle group, starting at your toes and moving your way up your body, flexing and releasing each muscle group. And as we release, really releasing and letting go completely of any tension that is in that part of the body. So as we move our way through the body, we are tensing and releasing twice. And each time, imagine that you're releasing into length, that your toes are lengthening away from your feet, that your feet are lengthening away from your ankles, and so on and so forth. So that basically we are kind of stretching our bodies out without doing any heavy stretching. We are tensing and releasing, allowing that tension to drain out of our bodies. And... Perhaps for a future podcast, I may actually take you through a very detailed relaxation exercise. It takes about 15 minutes or so, so that's probably not a bad idea for us to do. So either this next podcast or the one right after that, we may do that. So 
getting rid of all of that tension, once we've gotten rid of that tension, that really is just the first part of it. That is kind of the base level. Uh, it's a lot easier to get rid of tension when we're lying down flat on the ground than it is when we stand up. So that's definitely one of the things that we're going to have to deal with. And then also, just because you've released the tension doesn't mean that you're not going to immediately put it back in there when you start to speak because we've developed these bad habits over years and years and years of misuse. So this is the other part of the training that we will go over more in detail in a later podcast where we start to access our real voice, the voice that we were born with, the voice that we used when we would scream for hours and hours and hours Anybody that's heard a baby cry knows that they can cry and cry and cry and they never go hoarse. That is the difference between them and us. They don't have any tension in their bodies. We do. That tension translates directly to misuse of the voice, which causes us to go hoarse, causes us to do damage to our vocal instrument. And that is something that we want to avoid at all costs. So I've talked a little bit about what voice does for us in terms of the way that we're perceived as actors being able to use and manipulate your voice, changing the timbre, changing the pitch, changing the cadence is a really important tool. We will also talk later about dialect training. That's another really important part of this that kind of goes along with the voice. So basically what I want you to start doing is I want you to start practicing releasing tension. Go through that exercise that I talked through with you just a few minutes ago. Lie down flat on the ground, either right as you get up in the morning or right as right before you go to bed at night. Spend about 15 minutes going through your body, making sure that you're releasing that tension. Learn to identify tension in your body. Where do I hold it typically? Basically, when you lie down flat on your back, wherever you are not touching, that's where you're holding tension. Lower back, knees, neck. These are areas where we typically hold tension. That does not mean that you should try to force or shove those areas down into the floor. It just means to be aware of it. When you're lying down on the floor and our lower back isn't touching, it's because we're holding tension. So just be aware of it and know that that's an area where we want to spend a little bit of extra time releasing that tension. So, again, thank you for joining in. Join me again here next week. We will be talking about voice again. I'm going to be going through some additional things in terms of what we want to be looking at and go out there and act. Thank you for listening to my podcast, Acting Without the Drama. For more information and to follow my blog on acting, please go to www.actingwithoutthedrama.com. To contact me with questions or ideas, please email me at actingwithoutthedrama at gmail.com.